Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. In the Booth on a Friday, heading into a busy weekend on the Syracuse sports landscape. Going to that crunch game tonight. Let's go crunch. Excited about that. Unaware that they had lost three in a row, but uh, see if we can get back in the win call. I like going to crunch games. Probably, uh, I like going to crunch and Chiefs games. Things where I can kind of go as a fan and and uh, people watch and uh, get into it a little bit. And the uh, crunch is a they put on a great show there. They do more with less. Let's get them a, a nice. Let's upgrade the building or get them a new building or something like that. But for what they have, they do a lot with it. And uh, fun atmosphere and hockey in person is a blast. Yeah, I had fun last time I went. I got put on kiss cam. You did. It's not enjoyable for did me. Did you take your dog or who, who <laughs> you I went with a friend and got caught on Kiss Cam. So kind of awkward. Yeah, you, That's you an awkward that. moment when you that, go with no. a friend in the no, Kiss Cam. No, when that happens, I kind of, I kind of uh, hide or that'd be a good time to be mm-hmm. running to the break. You know, hockey in person, though, also has like the decorum of if you do go out to the concession stand or the concourse or the restroom or whatever, and you come back, they don't let you to your seat while play is going on. They hold you up. That's a hockey thing probably uh, could be adapted in other uh, venues but that's kind of you know tennis too because they're trying to keep the noise down and keep it quiet but uh, looking forward to that seven o'clock puck drop down the street here at the war memorial and uh hartford you want to size up the wolf pack or you you, yeah i'm I'm completely checked out on the hl right now (laughs) you've you've lost me at uh going i know the the crunch are having a good season but they've lost uh three in a row and uh, still a good spot to uh, enjoy a beverage and maybe a salty pretzel or something like that and uh, take in the crunch, eh? Crunch, crunch, they're good guys. I listened to a little bit of uh, it crunch on, it's not crunch on deck, Yankees on deck. What's the show? What's crunch the show Weekly? for Tully's? Yeah, Crunch Weekly. <laughs> Caught a little of that last night. <laughs> Driving over to... Way to promote this. <laughs> no, you know, obviously it's up on the walls here and everything, so it's easy to... To pick up on it, but uh, yeah, Lucas and uh, one of the players there, eh? They had a good, good little chat going. And uh, Thursdays so at six. That's right, over at Tully's. He was talking about the air hockey tournament they had going. On. I wonder how that turned out. But yeah, Crunch are easy to uh, easy to follow and easy to like. So looking forward to that tonight. Syracuse uh, women's lacrosse gets its season started here in three hours' time, playing Connecticut at uh, five o'clock. So that's the opener there. Syracuse men's lacrosse tomorrow with a 1 o'clock start against a Binghamton team that they beat by just one last year. They've never lost to Binghamton, but there's been a couple of close calls. We'll get into that with uh, Kyle Fetterly. Kyle and I will be reunited once again on the uh, call of the season opener tomorrow on the radio side, so uh, looking forward to that. You can watch that game on ACC Network Extra. Then on Sunday, it's a 1 o'clock tip in the Dome, the Orange and Wake Forest, and uh, a game where Syracuse has the chance to win and get to 500 in ACC play against a Wake team that's just 2-10 and 10 in the conference, but one of those two wins in Winston-Salem against the Cuse. Had a fun uh, Jim Beheim show last night 
first one that I can recall. I don't think there's been another one, but maybe maybe one other where uh, Coach Beheim wasn't with us. Alan Griffin was, and we had uh, Griff swing in to talk about the team and some of the things that are not really breaking. There's not a lot of breaking news right now. I don't think there was any real news with this idea of Sidibe considering surgery. We've been talking about that all along, but uh, they're still trying to figure out where the happy medium is for him in terms of his health and, and what his availability may be to the team. And uh, visited as well with Rudy Hackett last night. Rudy's the uh, Vic Hansen Medal of Excellence winner, and we'll uh, replay that for you in some form, whether it's on this show or the pregame or both. I believe there was one other, and it was last year. We had Red fill in because Coach was at the other senior day. Is that right? Was yeah, that the, the yeah. that's what it takes to uh, to yeah, pull him away? I think, he was I think at, it was. Yeah, he was. Was at it Jimmy's daughter. senior day? Yeah, I think he was at his daughter's senior day last night, and okay. Jimmy's the year before. Sorry, so. Red, if I don't recall that, but that <laughs> that was the case uh, last night. JD senior day, so Coach Beheim was over there for Jamie. She's on her way to the University of Rochester, which is also a cool story in their family. Coach Beheim uh, spurning the U of R or using them for leverage back in the seventies when he got the head coaching job here. And uh, Jamie's uh, headed there. So we missed Coach last night on the network portion of the show. I know he was on the local portion. And uh, we visited with Rudy Hackett, too. So uh, good times and hope to see you again out at AmeriCU. Three more shows remaining. Three more regular seasons Thursdays before the year is over. And uh, folks can come join us. The Olympics underway. We're going to talk about that a little bit later with Joe in the uh, Do We Care segment. And uh, the time difference is so significant that, you know, here I'm waking up and they're talking about the opening ceremonies, I'm following on Twitter and seeing some of the pictures of the uh, delegations making their way through, and then NBC will package that for television tonight. That's kind of how the Olympics works when it's uh, this disparate in the time zones, and that's why some people like it, some people don't, and uh, it's just a it's a television show at the end of the day. If you really want to find the results of the events, there's other ways to do that in what we call now the Internet age. For example, we will be carrying hockey here on ESPN Radio, but the games will be at 7 a.m. Okay. when we carry them. And so that'll You're not carrying them live at 7 a.m., or you are? Yeah, they'll be live at 7 a.m. Okay, that's pretty and, cool. And uh, a couple that are at 10 p.m., which I don't get, but so. Okay. That's, that's how that'll well, roll. And every night at 1 o'clock in the morning, if you're up, you can recap. catch uh, our, our live recap of the day. From Westwood 1. Okay, so those are uh, good things to check out. Hockey, a little bit of a buzzkill this year. It'll still be competitive. It'll be one of the most fun sports to watch in the Winter Olympics, but there are no NHL players in uh, in the Olympic hockey this time around. So it's uh, kind of like, uh, not quite AAA either, but the, the next level down of, of players, it's younger guys, uh, all college guys really, from my understanding, from uh, Team USA. I know a number of former Crunch players are representing their countries in the Olympics, but the NHL did not stop its schedule to account for uh, two weeks off and a trip to Korea for everybody this time around. So uh, a little unfortunate there, but I still think it'll be cool. I I think we talked about this a little bit last week. I I enjoy uh, the whole concept of the Olympics. I like um, pretty much all of the Winter Olympic sports. I'm not really big into figure skating, which I don't uh, understand very well. And any sport where it's just sort of you watch and then it's subjectively judged does not really appeal to me in the way that, uh, you know, the speed sports or the jumping or, uh, you know, a guy either hits or doesn't hit the target in the biathlon and some of those things that I, I think show off a tremendous skill and endurance and, 
And uh, that's the true Olympic spirit. Snowboard people, they're fantastic at what they do. Figure skaters are obviously exceptionally athletic and coordinated and have worked at their craft as well or longer than anybody. Uh, but it's hard to follow along with that, I think, in, in the way that you can with the other sports. And then, of course, the hockey will be super intense with um, high-level players, just not the very, very highest level of players. Do you like speed skating? Yes. I'm fascinated by speed skating. I like both. you got the short track and the long. The short track is kind of almost on a – my understanding is not having been there in person, but I don't think the, the rink is a great deal different than it would be in a hockey rink. So they're going around in really tight circles. That's the one with the – you know, they got the helmets on. They put their hand down as they're going around the turn. And um, it's very tight, quick sprints. And uh, the speed skating would be more like, you know, running around a track in terms of the of the space. The, but they get up close to 30 miles an hour. Yeah, they're flying. <laughs> yeah. They're flying. No, I think that's a lot of fun. Speed skating I enjoy. I enjoy curling. I enjoy ski jumping. It's incredible that they do that. Biathlon, to me, I think is just cool when you think of how – bizarre that is or how that even came to be a sport i mean people who uh you know grew up in scandinavia i mean all of these things or most of them have their vestiges in you know pre-technological times so that's a test of a skill of somebody skiing for a period of distance and stopping on a dime cooling their heart rate and gaining their composure to the point where now you can hit a quarter at the end of a football field away uh with a gun so Pretty impressive, but it's all fun, and, and uh, hats off to all the athletes and the dedication that it took to get them there. Congratulations to Erin Hamlin. She's from Remsen, New York, not far from here, and uh, her fourth Olympics, I believe, she has won before, uh, has been on the podium for Luge, which is just incredible, the daring that it takes to do that, and downhill skiing and some of these. The, were, the Luge and ski jump take special individuals. Like, yeah. and the, I always, well, even within, if you go luge, bobsled, whatever, but skeleton, the one where they're face down head first, is, you got to be out of your mind. I've I've always wondered how the first person did like the ski like yeah. the ski jump, like built that and was like, I'm going to do this. Yeah, how, how high? <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, uh, or even, you know, the alpine skiing, and again, I've never seen it in person. I think it'd be very fun to to see that I'm sure a lot of people around here have been to Lake Placid or maybe we're in, even we're at the Lake Placid Olympics in, in 1980. Um, I don't have a great visual from what I see on television of just how high they are, how far they're coming, but I'm sure that that's impressive. I know that they're flying. The uh, elevation drop is significant and uh, exceptional athletes, the Lindsey Vons of the world and, and what they do is uh, is pretty impressive stuff. So Looking forward to settling in on that uh, when uh, time permits here coming up. All right, when we come back, we'll get into lacrosse. Not in the Olympics at this point, but maybe someday it will be in the Summer Olympics. I know that's been thrown around over time. And our man on the lacrosse radio broadcast is Kyle Fetterly. We'll touch base with him on what we can expect tomorrow in the Dome when the Orange open up against Binghamton. We are in the booth, brought to you by CH Insurance and Burdick Toyota here on ESPN Syracuse. Syracuse in Winston-Salem Sunday to face Wake Forest. Tip at 2, Orange pregame, 145. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse here until 3 o'clock today. Good to have you 
along with us back on Monday to recap this busy weekend and uh, looking ahead to what may be next over the course of the week. The Orange have a midweek game next week on Valentine's night against NC State and then take on Miami on the road on the 17th. Tomorrow is the Syracuse lacrosse opener. We'll be on the radio call for you over on uh, TK99 tomorrow with a 1 o'clock game, 12.30 pregame. Kyle Fetterly will be alongside, as always, our uh, capable, more than that, capable, youthful ward, El Grande. And uh, Grande, what's happening, man? How are you? Not much, man. How you doing? I'm getting ready. I mean, it's cold, snowy weather. Time for some lacrosse. It certainly is. And I know you're setting up for the women's game, which is over there today at 5. They open with Connecticut, and uh, you can, you're can you the best to give us a feel for just what's to expect. So maybe a quick word on that one, if you could, before we get into the men's game. And uh, I know one of the stories here recently that is right in your wheelhouse is the idea that uh, there's been a helmet developed for women's lacrosse. That could maybe change the game in that regard. But uh, what about Coach Gate and his team? What what kind of feel do you get him from him lately? Well, I'll tell you what. They'll be, one thing's for sure, Matt, they'll be fast. That's one thing uh, for sure. They, Gary likes to play fast. The reason there's a shot clock, I tell people, in women's lacrosse is because of Gary Gate. Gary Gate was all about this about three years ago, and then um, and he finally got it forced. He started using it in the fall season, and then what happened was the teams that were coming up here to scrimmage were using it, and they were like, wow, this is really cool. you know. So uh, the, the, uh, that's the reason. They'll play fast. I mean, Riley Donahue's out there, Nicole Levy, gals like that who can really fill it up and dodge. But I'll tell you, there's a name you're going to watch for, and that's Sammy Swart. Uh, she is she is lightning quick. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is there's a lot of good players on that women's lacrosse team who are the freshmen that can kind of fit into that mold. Uh, they're they're going to be I, – I don't know uh, as far as, you know, they don't have like a Kayla Trainer superstar type of player. They just have a lot of really good players. Kara Quimby, Mia DeBello, I mean, Alexa Radowitz right here at uh, CBA. I mean, on and on and on. Vanessa Constantino, there's a lot of good um, – um, Bella Rashon. I mean, there's a, I, I'm missing some, too. A lot of good players. Plus, you got one of the top draw girls in the country, Morgan Widener, out there. So uh, they got a very solid team. And there's local girls, Mackenzie Baker, out there from Camillus High School, Allie Trice from uh, West Jenny. And then the, I actually tweeted out a picture of their lockers yesterday. There's a name. There's a name on the team that a lot of the men's lacrosse team players will remember, and that's Christy McCabe. And yes, that's <laughs> Pat McCabe's daughter. Is, I think uh, I saw for us. Pat when he dropped yeah. her off. Uh, I want to say I was having lunch probably with Matt Palum, and Pat was either on a spring visit with her uh, or you know one, maybe it was in the fall. I want to say more than I think about it, it was in the fall and he was dropping her off here and. And uh, great to see those family connections that go from one generation to the next. Oh, they are. And the amazing thing is the girls here on our team all wear dad's number. <laughs> it's amazing. From Ella Thorpe, wear number 10. Taylor Gate on the team, wears 22. Christy McCabe, wears 29. Uh, Chelsea Bapes, wears number 3. Riley Donahue, wears 17. That's what Kevin wore when he was here. So it's a pretty cool tradition we have going on the women's side. Very cool. Kyle Federley with us in his day job, uh, dealing with the equipment on the women's side to get them set for their game today, a 5 o'clock start against Connecticut. You can see that game on the Watch ESPN app or ACC Network Extra. And then tomorrow's game, Kyle, you and I will be there, the Orange and Binghamton. Talked with Coach Desco today for tomorrow's pregame and and just kind of getting a handle here on who they are 
this was uh, an aborted fall for Syracuse men's lacrosse and for the women for that matter too they got their season impacted by illness still got some practices in and then you've been out at the scrimmages yep. how did you see them progress through three weeks of uh, run-throughs to get ready for tomorrow better and better and better Matt and honestly that's what happened against Vermont we didn't look very well and they're a division one team playing the America East um uh, we didn't look that good, but I think a lot. Some of that was lack of fall ball, you know, and uh, just getting your legs under. Even though we won, and then next week against the Hofstra team, we we really dominated the game, uh, and so uh, things look better. And the things that get have to get cleaned up at that this time of the year is the substitutions in and out of the box, understanding the offenses and defenses, spacing, things like that. Those are the things that get cleaned up. Hopefully. During uh, during the during the spring, and then we ran into Yale last week. And now I'm going to tell you right now, Matt, Yale's going to be one of the top two, three, four teams in the country this year. And brother, did they look it? <clears throat> they beat Syracuse, I'd say, fairly handily at uh, 13 to eight. It was five four to, at the half, and it was a real good game. And Syracuse found something else that they need to work on, and that was man up, because they had six opportunities on man up and came away empty. So that's something that I know has been stressed during the week here. But but on the other hand, too, Yale's going to be one of those teams competing in the Final Four. And now Syracuse has got some catch-up work because of lack of fall ball uh, to get into that. Because these teams already have met their offenses and defensive end. Defense is in. The preseason is just tuning up, so to speak. Syracuse didn't have that luxury because of all the illnesses. So they're in a little bit of a catch-up mode, but they'll get there. Well, it's impressive to see Yale play as well as they did, but they returned so many players uh, from a year ago. New goalie, uh, one new field player, but they did return uh, Ben Reeves, who's an upstate New York product. Uh, The upshot for Syracuse, when you look at that game, and I know the score made it look like it wasn't really competitive. First of all, let's set aside scrimmages a little bit. They're not real. They don't count. And uh, while, yes, they can be run to a degree at game uh, speed and that type of thing. There was a a twenty minute fourth quarter and some things that just made it right. a little bit different than normal. But Nick yeah. Mellon, Nick Mellon is one of the best defensive players in the country. Kyle uh, sat out last year due to injury, and the fact that he played and played well against one of the top opposite players, you know, attackers in the country in uh, Ben Reeves last week had to s- speak well of something. Yeah, Ben Reeves only scored one goal, and I'll tell you something right now, Matt. He was my pick last year, my personal pick for the Tawarton Award. I mean, they gave it to the team from the championship game, uh, Matt Ramble, who was very good and deserving. I thought Ben Reeves was better. And uh, last year he tore us up for 5-3 and three here in the, in the Carrier Dome in a 10-9 Syracuse win that put us into the quarters. But the bottom line on is Nick, Nick Mellon did an outstanding job, held him to one goal, and that just tells me something right there. Now, Nick's not all the way back either. Okay, because as you talk to some of the coaches and everything, yes, he was great against Ben Reeves, but was he playing within the defense? And those are things that they have to, you know, get there. And that's what scrimmages are for: is playing within their defense. And he was, but he was, he was very good, like I said. But I think one of the comments I heard that if uh, Ben Ben Reeves went out to the bus for a ham sandwich, uh, uh, Nick Mellon was going to put the mustard down on it. So I mean, and that's uh, he was guarding him that close. So. It was good. There were a lot of good signs. Like I said, I mean, even though Yale did did a number on Syracuse in the second half, and really some of that, Matt, is is kind of John Desco pulled all his starters in the fourth quarter, 
And Andy Shea uh, Yale kept his in. So that, that has something to do with it, too. But the bottom line is, is John's working on it. John, John Desco's working on his depth, you know. And the other co- quite the thing that no one wants to talk about, this is a very young team, very young. So, I mean, uh, you're going to see a lot of freshmen on the field and a lot of redshirt freshmen, especially at attack, especially at midfield. But I think uh, as we move along, you're going to see some outstanding lacrosse play as – you know, kids get get their noses bloodied a little bit, and you know, welcome to D one, young man. The ball moves a little faster in this league, so once they get used to that, I think we're going to be fine. Let's hit that uh, first midfield, which is two sophomores and a freshman, Jamie Tremboli. We've seen with a, a magical moment here or there. Peter Durth uh, came on, you know, uh, a bit player last year as uh, somebody that didn't see a ton of time, but uh, not zero. And then Tucker Dordovic. Just when I showed up at that scrimmage last week, he scored, but then hobbled off the field with an apparent uh, lower leg injury. What would his status be right now? Did he bounce back okay from that? 100% ready to go. He's an uh, Under Armour and, 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 and I'll tell you what, Matt, we have literally two studs on that first midfield line, in my opinion. Jamie Turnboli and Tucker Dordovic, who's a freshman, highly touted from Portland, Oregon, was tutored really by Ryan Powell out there came here, and these two guys are absolute studs. So, I mean, you'll see their name as the game's gone. Peter Durth was a short-stick midi last year, defensive specialist. But he's a guy that could play both ways. And they, last year, because we were, you know, we had such a senior-laden midfield line, they played him at D-midi where he, he's got great athleticism, tall, fast, great agile movements, uh, you know, are, are very agile, I should say. And now uh, – now it's uh, you know now he's on the other end and believe me he can shoot it up too big strong fast midi. Kyle Federley is our guest as the Orange take on Binghamton tomorrow. Kyle and I will be on the broadcast for you. Cue set number ten in the uh, inside lacrosse preseason poll and uh, number eleven in the uh, media poll going into tomorrow. Duke and Maryland are the top teams in the respective polls nationally. Albany lurks ahead. That's a consensus. Top five team. That'll be the second game of the season for the Qs. A couple other specialty positions, Kyle, just to get your comment on. Ben Williams, who was uh, so good on faceoffs for Syracuse for three years running, is gone. And Danny Varello, who filled in for him a little bit a year ago, uh, gets his opportunity to be the man. How well suited is he for that? Well, I'll tell you something. He went against one of the top middies for, or one of the top faceoff specialists in the country last year from Yale and drew him even. Actually, I think he was 6'4 six, six, at his advantage out there. And he's very good. But I think the thing that's the key for Syracuse is going to be wing play uh, out there. And, and, and that's, that is, was very promising in all three scrimmages. Austin Fusco, the, the long pole out there, of course, and uh, Luke Schwaznik out there. But there's a newcomer out there, and I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy this name. But he, he's from uh, basically Chicago, mm-hmm. Illinois. Dami Oladunmoy is his name. And I'll tell you something. The kid could play offense, defense, short stick. He was a running back in high school. He's 5'10", about 190, and some of the greatest feet you're ever going to see quick-wise. quick, quick wise. And uh, right now they got him playing D-Mitty, but he is also a ground ball machine, one of those guys that's not afraid to you know, put his nose in the pile, so to speak, and come out with a loose ball. So big physical, well, you know, physical specimen is what he is. So we're looking forward to, you know, one of those young names, like I said, uh, that you're going to see. And then then you're going to see a kid, Owen Siebel, who's out here at Attack. You'll see a little bit of him. His dad played here a long time ago in that early 80s 
uh, Bobby Siebel. So you're going to see how, uh, uh, him out there. Brendan Curry, his dad was probably one of the fastest players we ever had. Uh, Todd Curry, uh, he's here. So, I mean, there's a lot of good young talent out here. And we're, I'll tell you, it's exciting. And, you know, there'll be a little bit of stumbling at first until the team kind of gets used to one another as young players, which, like I said, that a lot of that is fall ball stuff that they could have had and didn't. But uh, once they get it rolling, I think this team's going to be tough. This is going to be a tough team, a tough out. All right, well, let's save the rest of your lacrosse stuff in the tank so we can get into the new goalie, Don Madonna, and all that tomorrow. I, sure. got, I got two other ones to hit you with quickly. Uh, one is that uh, Matt Patricia's gotten the band back together to a degree. A lot of familiar names. <laughs> yep. uh, very cool to see a, a VVS high school product get a head coaching job. There's only 32 of those in the NFL. And so he brings in Paul Pasqualoni and, and uh, a few more sort of from that group of guys. Yeah. I'll tell you something. I remember Matt when he was a graduate assistant here, and I remember sitting in the cafeteria. Of course, the graduate assistants, Coach P knew how to work the graduate assistants over time. Uh, but he was sitting at the dinner one day and I said, you know, uh, you know, Matt, where are you from? And he said, you know, right down the road here, where'd you go to school? I think he said RIT, if I'm not mistaken. RPI. RPI, okay. And I, and I said, uh, what'd you major in? He goes, astrophysics. I go, astrophysics? What the hell are you doing here? Like that. He goes, I love football, dude. <laughs> and I was like, okay. But uh, yeah, that, I, I remember that about Maddie. And of course, you know, he's had those great defenses up in New England for many, many years now, and now he gets his own shot. So we're excited for him, and you're right, getting the band back together. Uh, Brian Stewart out there coaching the DBs, and, you know, God God only knows who he's, Matt's going to tap on next to bring. But you know something, Matt? The bottom line is this. Paul Pasqualoni was here for a long time, and it worked. And he took a lot of – and Matty took a bunch of those guys with him. You know, they won a lot of games, and – you know, it's about work and about effort and things like that. And those are people, I think, on honestly, that Maddie trusts. And that's why he took them. Absolutely. And uh, what goes around comes around. When you're the head coach and you take care of the GA, sometimes the GA turns out to be the head coach and he can take care yep. of you. So it's another new stop for uh, Coach Pasqualoni and his family. And last thing, Kyle, I think this might be the year that you're right. If Maybe if the Manny Machado thing goes through, that might be the last missing piece for the Yankees to go 162-0. and they might be they might be the first team ever to go 162 at all. I'll tell you something. We were talking. Alan Griffin, who is a passionate Yankee yes. fan, and I were talking. We're talking about this, and we were like, when they got rid of Girardi, him and I almost drove over the cliff because we were like, 97 wins a year, we're getting rid of this guy. And then I, him and I said, okay, well maybe we're going to go get Terry Francona. I'm down with that. Or maybe we're going to get Joe Madden. I'm down with that. Like that. I was like, Aaron Boone. I was like, Alan looks at me and he says, name his most impressive managerial win. I just said he's never been a coach, you know, but I think the Yankees, if they get Machado, that team is so good, I could coach them. That's right. <laughs> you know, well, that's, what, that's what I said to Griff that, that we ran into, with, obviously, the basketball game, the, the morning of the Stanton signing, I said, well, maybe you and I can manage the team at this point. Who, who cares? We, we could fill out that line of cards. So, all right, good stuff. We'll talk to you again. Looking forward to uh, lifting the lid on the season tomorrow, okay? Absolutely. See you tomorrow. All right. Good luck, Kyle Federley. He'll have the uh, women's game tonight as they get set in two and a half hours to take on Connecticut. And uh, we'll have the broadcast tomorrow of Syracuse and Binghamton on the lacrosse field. Basketball at home, one o'clock against Wake Forest 
on Sunday afternoon. More on that as we continue in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM Syracuse. And 100.1 FM Oswego. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care Here's Joe Salzone. The opening ceremony of the 2018 Winter Olympics happened early this morning in South Korea and featured an unexpected pairing. Officials from North and South Korea sat side by side during a fireworks show and then shook hands. In addition, athletes from North and South Korea marched together for the first time since 2007. You know, to the spirit of this, do we care? You know, I really don't. Can I say that? Can I be honest? I think uh, that's fair. Um, you know, if it means some sort of significant actual political peace between those two countries, sure, then we're on to something, but it doesn't, right? Two people shook hands, sat next to each other. They're trying to put on a good show to be nice for the kids uh, while they come over and bring their friends over for these two weeks doesn't do anything for me. I mean, the, the whole thing is orchestrated, right? The opening ceremonies, and it's meant to be a big show, so I don't uh, put a lot of stock in whatever this was last night. I found the unexpected part of the story surprising because I've known for three weeks it was going to happen. Well, I don't know about the hand. Like, I heard, heard uh, Max on the Sports Center on my drive down here use that phrase. I'm thinking, well, what was unexpected about it? We knew the teams were going to compete together um, in at least a few sports, and I think this part may have been unexpected, that they made nice at the opening ceremonies and that there was a uh, shaking of hands among uh, the highest-ranking dignitary there for each country. I care a lot. I am a peace-loving human. I believe that all countries should shake You're hands a peace, all right. and <laughs> march together in unity at sporting events. I wish he would stare at me when he says that. That just kind of creeps me out. Uh, a caller to a Boston sports radio show has duped a Boston Herald columnist into writing a fake story. The caller says someone posted Ron Borges' phone number online, who then texted him pretending to be Tom Brady's agent. The caller, posing as the agent, told Borges that Brady was holding out for more money. The bogus story appeared in today's Boston Herald, but has since been pulled from their website. Saw that. I mean, number one, obviously the reporter's got to be better than this. I know... I do know that stories are leaked all the time, but he either should have already had Tom Brady's agent's phone number, Don Yee is the uh, agent's name, either already have it, be able to verify it, do your reporting and authenticating before you. There's all kinds of safeguards and checks that should be in your routine to keep you from going like this. When you hear stories about this, and I know there was one in this town on a different station, it's because you have let your guard down and you've ignored those safeguards or, or gone through the routine that prevents something like this from happening. That all set aside, what is wrong with people? What, like, is it This is entertaining. Wh- who takes the time to do it? I mean, if you really go through the effort that must have been done here to make this happen, it was, a, what I understand, a regular caller to their station, uh, to WEI. Yeah, you can do people if you set your mind out really to do it. Who does this? Well, then they actually uh, published, the host of the show published a screenshot of the text conversation. And the reporter, Borges, said, all right, already writing the story. I saw that. Well, he thought he you know, was behind. So obviously bad habits there on the, the part of Borges, and he made a 
really stupid mistake. But this was to what? Expose that he does that often or to do it one time or as a, a gag for the station? It's just the effort people go into for nonsense yeah. blows me away. You know, I think I've talked about this probably on the air before. Criminal enterprise. The the, the way, the amount of time and effort people put in. I watch Moonshiners once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. So you got these just rednecks, you know, out in Appalachian, you know, right in front of cameras and everything, showing you how they do this illegal activity and make, making moonshine. And they're pretty bright, resource, not pretty, they're very bright and resourceful guys. Why don't they just do something that's legit? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that's right, yeah. And, but again, it's the risk of it, and that's the fun. And uh, uh, But this type of thing, I can't imagine having so much time on my hands that I was going to try to dupe a newspaper writer. It should also be noted that Borges in 2007 uh, left the Boston Globe after he had been suspended for a couple months because of plagiarism. Yeah, that's not a great thing. That's not a, his, the back of his baseball card's not looking real strong right now. <laughs> it's, it's certainly not. I would say this is fake news, as the kids would call it. <laughs> Thank you, Polly. And Alaskan Airlines flight to Seattle had to be diverted on Wednesday because a passenger locked himself in the bathroom, took off all of his clothes, and would not follow instructions from the flight crew. When the plane landed, the unidentified man was taken in for a psychiatric evaluation. I get it. As a person who's scared of flying, I could see myself doing something like that. Yeah, I was just going to say, this is either why Polly doesn't fly or that was him, for all we know. <laughs> if it was a different part of the, the country. Again, what is wrong with people? <laughs> Seems to be the theme for today. Yeah, well, we, between you two, we got a lot of it. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just couldn't, I just can't possess uh, or figure out what would possess somebody to do this. And uh, it's beyond my comprehension the flight crew said that uh it didn't seem the guy posed any security risk there was no threat or anything so they made the decision the pilot made the decision to fly back to uh, anchorage and they were the pilot has nothing else to worry about then (laughs) i guess not you know i I think let's let them focus on getting the plane to where it needs to be safely and here's my thing if you're Looney Tunes enough to be somebody who strips down naked and yells things and locks themselves in the bathroom and won't come out or whatever it is that you're going to do. How is it that you had the wherewithal to get to the airport on time, go through right. security, uh, go to the right gate? It's a fair question. Paula, do you have an answer? I have no, I haven't been on an airplane Paula. in years. Yeah. I don't know. I can't imagine being. I'm a tiny person. I can't imagine getting out of your clothes in a bathroom on an airplane. It's got to be difficult moving around to do that. That's a fact. A lot of visuals there. Do We Care is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love it for a slice. Stellar work as always there, Joe. I try. Really bang up job. <laughs> you are not fake news, my friend. Yeah. You oh. are a So today, thanks, if you, if thanks, you remember, boss. I'm three for three. Sit right there, Joe. Sit, right. No, sit there. So I'm three for three on the week in trash tosses. Uh, two do we care wrap ups and a coffee cup. Do I risk it? I am going to risk it. So we're going to go Stay for it. Stay hot, bro. But right now I don't see the basket at all. Joe has it completely blocked out. We're going for a blind Over shot. My massive shoulders. Crumper. Yeah. A giant. You're not, head. Not, not exactly Elijah <laughs> one in the way here, but but we're just going to go for it. I'm just going to kind of feel where I think right. the trash can is. And here we go. Oh, that's way off. Off. Yeah. Well, all streaks end. That's a very poor release. Did we watch? Anybody watch uh, 
Thursday night darts last night. That would have been a very weak dart toss on my part. It was with my offhand. I work on Thursday nights. I don't know. Yeah, I forgot. All it's about actually it. after the show. Oh, is it? It comes on at um, ten Eastern. I'm going to DVR that though, so I can watch it. I'm, yeah, I can see myself getting into that. I I got into a big poker thing in my life where I could not miss poker on TV, and that took me a while to get over. I could see darts taking that place. Yeah, poker doesn't really do much for me, other than I am, you know, I'm a numbers guy and I'm a TV geek, and I like the, um, I like the graphics and the what they're able able to do to put poker on television I think is pretty cool but I don't not that I'm a dart guy either but I don't really play poker or get emotionally invested in it so anything with Gabe Kaplan in it I am a huge yeah. fan of from Welcome Back Hatter to Poker I know that's poker. one of your favorite shows so alright back to uh, wrap it up with a look toward the Wake Forest game when we continue Orange Basketball with a chance to get to 500 in the league if it can take care of business in the Dome Sunday at 1 o'clock. That's when we return in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Don't miss the Upstate Lacrosse Show this and every Saturday at 9 a.m. Hosted by Syracuse University four-time All-American Rick Beardsley and News Channel 9 Sports Director Stephen Fonte. Covering men's and women's college, club, pro, and high school lacrosse teams from Central New York. Expert analysis, guest interviews, and previews of upcoming matchups. It's the Upstate Lacrosse Show. Saturdays at 9 a.m. on ESPN 97.7 FM. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse here for a couple of more minutes, and then the Daniel Baldwin Show will get you set for the weekend. So mention Orange Women's Lacrosse up at the Dome if you're heading that way for a 5 o'clock start. If you are not, the game is on ESPN, watch ESPN or the uh, ACC Network Extra. Same story for men's lacrosse tomorrow. Thanks to Kyle Fetterly for coming on a bit uh, earlier in the show, and we'll have the call of the game tomorrow with Grande. And then uh, sort of slowly ease our way into the lacrosse season. Although it won't be that slowly as far as the men are concerned. They've got Albany, a top five team, in game two. And then uh, after Army is home to wrap up a three-game season opening dome stand, Orange have their ACC opener March 4th on a Sunday at Virginia. We visited with Rudy Hackett on the Jim Beheim Show last night. He'll be honored March 4th at the annual Hardwood Club Banquet this year at uh, Manly Fieldhouse while uh, On Center is occupied for this year. Looking forward to that. You can uh, get your tickets to the Hardwood Club Banquet if you'd like at 443-1418. Good opportunity to send off the team to Brooklyn in what should be an eventful ACC tournament this year with uh, just now the uh, seven games remaining in conference play, every single one important. What a game it was last night. Duke and North Carolina. Carolina winning it by four to uh, take the edge, winning at home, which you have to do as those – teams uh, play their two games a year with one another. They'll uh, wrap up the season, of course, as usual, at uh, Cameron Indoor. They play one in the middle of the season, then one at the end, and uh, Duke is the one that gets the last laugh at home this year. So good competitive game played at a very high level, and uh, Carolina with the big victory in it. Syracuse has a chance. Right now, you're looking to just take care of business. You're home against the middle of the pack. you got to win those games. And that's what they've got in a Wake Forest team that comes in with Doral Moore, one of the biggest players in the league and just the, the most mass, maybe, uh, big force in the interior. That'll be a major challenge for Pascal Chukwu. Moore got the upper hand of it in the, the first game. And Bryant Crawford coming off a 25-point game. We also had seven assists the last time out in a Wake Forest loss as they dropped to 2 
and 10 in the league uh, will pose a major challenge uh, for the Orange. That game, again, in the Dome Sunday, 1 o'clock. Hope to have you out there with us. And the uh, Syracuse women also playing Wake Forest on Sunday, but that one on the road with a 2 o'clock start time. So good stuff there, Polly. Another uh, week's worth of shows in the books. And on Monday, you know, again, you'll have another data point, as they say, as far as the Syracuse basketball team is concerned. You win that one, you're back to 500, and a chance then to get over 500 if they can beat NC State in the middle of next week. Maybe uh, Joe Lenardi puts us as the last four in, or... Who cares? Talk about do we care? I I don't really care about these things. You know, I don't read every little Joe Lenardi thing throughout the course. Because you know what? The whole premise of if the tournament were to start today or the season ends, it's not going to, Okay. Unless a meteor strikes, well, and in that will case, if they you might don't beat Wake Forest and NC State. Of course, but that doesn't have anything to do with what he's talking about. But uh, you, you read those, and you tell me what I need. To, we're going to keep that on a need-to-know basis. Last four out or last four in is how I, right is how it should be worded. I, yeah, I think. <laughs> I, now I'm confused, but the ones he calls. Uh, First four in or whatever, yeah. those are the last ones in. You know yeah. what I mean? If you're starting with who's in the tournament, Duke and Virginia and Purdue and Villanova, they're the first four in. Okay? And then uh, who, who cares? All right. <laughs> Back next week. See you on Monday.